Welcome to Legends of the Hall, the podcast centered around the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in Colorado Springs, telling the stories of the greatest stars in the history of Pro Rodeo. On today's show, we talk to two-time world champion and 2008 Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame inductee, Paul Tierney. This is professional rodeo announcer Steve Kenyon. Legends of the Hall is being sponsored by Wrangler, the official Western wear of Pro Rodeo. Long live Cowboys. In just a moment, we'll talk rodeo and more with Paul Tierney. Hey, y'all, this is Cody Johnson. When I was starting out in music, most every radio station and venue I went to told me no. At that point, you got two options, tuck tail and quit or buckle down and fight. Well, I'm a fighter, not a quitter. And that's why I wear Wrangler jeans and shirts. Their toughness and style are legendary. They're an iconic symbol of the West, and there's no quit in them either. Life's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And if I'm going to enjoy the ride, I'm riding in Wrangler. Wrangler, long live Cowboys. Radio fans, we're giving you a chance to take 8 Seconds Media wherever you go. Check out the newly remodeled 8 Seconds Media store. Click on the shop link at 8secondsmedia.com. Welcome to the Legends of the Hall podcast, and joining me is a gentleman inducted into the Hall of Fame 2008. He won a tie-down roping world title in 1979, won the All-Around Championship in 2008, or excuse me, 1980, um, and that would be Paul Tierney uh, who joins us. Paul, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, full disclosure, folks, I, I have gotten Paul off on the side of the road in Arizona where he's got good cell service so that we can have this conversation. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Paul, thank you. I appreciate it. How are you? you? I'm, I'm real good at uh, cell service out here. For some reason, it's a little spotty this year. It's never been that way, but it's spotty this year. So whenever we got to do something like this, we sure and go to a spot where we know we're going to have service. It's probably all the people from South Dakota who migrated to Arizona so they could ride horses and rope and barrel race all winter. And, and Montana, North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Washington, and Oregon. Yeah. And Idaho. Yeah, all of the above. Uh, Arizona, oh. Arizona really is. I mean, I don't – for folks who I, – I think most of the people in the rodeo community kind of understand in the wintertime there's a bunch going on down there. But um, I, I took my family down there to barrel race, gosh, 10 or 15 years ago now, and I was just amazed um, at, at the number of people that were there, and that was 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, well, it's it's quadrupled now. It's it's really it's it's amazing how many. I just come from a roping where, oh, they had 150 in the 10 and the 12, and 420 in, in the nine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's amazing. So let me let me take you back, Paul. Um, 2008, you're inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. Uh, your your Hall of Fame induction bio says. The world tie-down roping champion in 1979, Tierney put together an even better season in 1980 to end Tom Ferguson's six-year reign as the all-around champion and become the second rodeo cowboy to surpass $100,000 in earnings during a single season. Um, boy, the money's gone up a little bit since then, hasn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know. That's a little embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is no, it's not because you also didn't have to pay five dollars a gallon for diesel and and right. you know I I mean things things progress. The kids today, you helped to build the foundation for it. I think. How do you feel about that? Oh, oh absolutely. You know, we we uh, I can remember when I did an interview down in Oklahoma City in 1980, and 
and uh, at that particular time, uh, the guy said, you're really not a drinking, brawling cowboy, are you? And I said, no, no, really, I'm not a drinking, brawling cowboy. I, I uh, you know, I try to keep myself in shape. I play tennis whenever I'm on the road and uh, I rope wherever I can and, and I ride my horses and attend the business and I don't drink. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, that, I mean, we, we had that uh, era about us in the 60s coming in the early 70s. But I think in the late 70s and the 80s, it started to disappear. And they knew that people are starting to take this a lot more serious. And uh, I think it really upped the grade of what people thought of, of the Cowboys. I was going to ask if you felt like um, Rodeo Cowboys kind of got a bum rap uh, back at that time. Because, there, I mean, there were some there was some athleticism in – Everything that I've been told, and I really was not involved in the sport then, Paul, so you can tell me if I'm completely off base here. Everything I've been told is that somewhere in there, athleticism really started to replace the 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 old stereotype of the guy that, you know, went out all night Saturday night and, and all those kinds of things. Am I right? Well, that, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, it just, uh, I think when they quit having the guys come like to Belfouche and be there, they were there for four days camped out you know well you know they kind of got a little bit of camp fever and they started you know there's a lot more drinking going on there's a lot more fighting going on and you know as they quit having those type of rodeos where you'd get two and three or four head of you know rodeos got bigger well then they got to where they got to be one headers well then you know we started seeing where these guys were going to 120 130 40 rodeos a year well, you can't be, you know, you can't be on the sideline with a headache. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're going to do that kind of rodeo, and that's what it evolved into by the late '70s, and and uh, you know, these guys were going. I know, you know, Tom and myself, Chris Lieber, Johnny Jones, Dave Brock. There's about five or six of those guys all trying to win the all around and winning as much as they could in their single events, and they were all going to 130 to 150 rodeos a year. You were. Second in the tie-down roping standings in 1980. Fourth in the steer wrestling. Um, $100,000, $105,000 in the steer wrestling in 1980. You were the reserve all-around champion in 77 and 79. And you spent a lot of time butting heads with Tom Ferguson in your career. Oh, absolutely. You know, Tom was always the bar, you know. And and so, you uh, you know, you're always shooting for the bar and shooting for Tom. So, he, he was always the target. Um, and that's, that's just, uh, that's just what it, that's just what it was. So, uh, you know, if he was going to go to 130, 30, I was going to try to go to 135. Wow. Um, they didn't limit back then. There are limits now. There were no oh, limits yeah. back then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know what it was, you know, the travel or whatever it was, but I mean, good or bad, whatever. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine with me the way it is, uh, you know, the thing about going to a few more rodeos for those guys that are down there a little bit, you know, trying to get into the top 15, that was always the thing, you know. If you wanted to rodeo and get out there and do some rodeo and the guys on top always just wanted to go to 80 and you wanted to go to 120, well, you had a few yeah. more chances. You had a few more bullets. Yeah. And and then, you know, it, it got you in there. It got you into the top 15. Well, then, then you know, you had more of a of a, yeah, I can do this type attitude. And so, I mean, there, there is that part of it too, uh, but it's not there anymore. And so, you know, you just, uh, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be the, you gotta be the cream yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, 
or, you know, there's, you know, if you look at that, I don't know that there's any more than about three or four guys now that, that come in there and fall out uh, about three or four. And that's it in those events. Yeah. Um, I and, agree with and that. And that's what they, and Steve, that's kind of what they wanted. They wanted these guys to be in there. They wanted them to be household names and they have got accomplished pretty much what they want. You know, there's a lot more people that, that know about the guys that are winning all the time. They really do because that's who they're seeing all the time. So, I mean, uh, mission accomplished. I mean, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. Um, you know, it's just, it's just tougher. I just see that it's tougher to get into that, that top 15. It's yeah. just tougher. Sports are defined by their superstars and I don't care which sport it is. Um, you know, you talked about playing tennis when you're on the road in the, Late seventies, early eighties, uh, tennis players were there were some big names. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. out there, there, you know, to you go through football history, you 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 look at today. Patrick Mahomes yeah. is as big a name. He get it back to the Super Bowl as anybody. You know, he's on every other commercial. It seems like on TV anymore. But right, I mean, you know, and and. Stetson Wright has stepped into that role in professional rodeo. Caleb Driggers has Ab stepped into that role. Um, yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, your fellow South Dakotan, Lisa Lockhart, I think, has stepped into that role a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You yeah. bet. Um, take me back to 1979. You win the tie-down roping world title. Um, full disclosure, I kind of cheated a little bit. I called Paul's daughter, Jordan, who was Miss Rodeo America a couple of years ago. I said, all right, you're interviewing your dad. What are you going to ask him about? And she said, I needed to make sure I asked you about a horse. Um, is it the horse that you won that world title on in 1979? Is that what she was talking about? Well, we started out with that horse in 1976. I bought him at the Black Hill Stock Show uh, sale up there for 460 bucks. And uh, I was going to make a practice horse out of him. And uh, that that went kind of okay. And, and then as time went on, he got better and he got better. And, and so then I started hauling him in the, in the summer of 76. And uh, then he really wasn't ready to go in 77. So I had had another horse that I invested in. And then we turned around in 78 and then we sent him with my brother and a real close friend to some amateur rodeos in 77. And then I cracked him out in 78 and I used him the last half of the year and, and uh, also, uh, uh, I used him at the national finals that year. And and uh, then in 79, then I, I had a big year on him in 79. Then he was ready to go. Yeah. Um, how how much has the caliber of horses in the timed events changed over time? I feel like the, the, the livestock, the, the bucking horses and the bulls, um, the, the elite then would still be elite now, but there's just a lot more of them. How has the, the caliber of horses and the roping and the bulldogging changed over the years, or has it? Oh, yeah, definitely. The horses, uh, what I notice is, uh, you know, I, I, I won a lot back in my day because I was a good cowboy. But nowadays, you have to be a good horseman, plus you have to be a good cowboy. Uh, in my books right now, Haven Midget is one of those guys in the calf roping. He does his own training, and, and he's a really good cowboy. And he's and he's really a good horseman. And I see that more and more uh, the last 20 years that these horses are not only uh, their athleticism is so much better than it was so much better. Yeah. And uh, and and then the, and then they've they've invested a lot more time in getting these horses trained better. And even though maybe the guys don't train them, you know, they they maybe know how to help them or maintain them or they know how to get help. 
Um, but there, there again, it's the horsemanship plus the cowboy and ability and the try and the hard work and the day in and day out. But I just see there's more of a mix of it now in the last 20 years than there was in, in, in my day. You know, um, the other thing that's happening, Paul, is, is, and I don't know if you've ever thought of dipping your toe into these waters or if, if you're, you're anybody in your family has, but we're, we're, the time to van horses, I'm, my family's in the barrel racing business. There have been barrel racing futurities around for a long time. But now you've got the team roping futurities where these horses are getting a chance to get off to a younger start. Or, or they're, 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 they're starting to be in the, happen in the tie-down roping, too. Um, and that gives them a whole, a whole earlier start in life, I think, doesn't it? Oh, not, sure. You know, they're, they're, they don't have to wait to be... You know, back in my day, uh, you know, you, you probably didn't want to ride a horse unless he was at least 10, 12, 11, 12, 12 years old. Hmm. Um, nowadays, you've got six-year-olds that are just as good as, as a 16-year-old. I mean, the training starts so much earlier, and there's a lot of guys that have invested a lot of time in learning more uh, about the training. And uh, and it's it's kind of what I call a very good after-rodeo uh, occupation for these guys, uh, maybe for some guys that never did quite make it. And, and, you know, they've given five, six, seven years of their life and they need to get to doing something else. Those guys are really, you know, if they've invested time in horsemanship, they can really take this and, and really run with yeah. this fraternity thing in the calf rope and the team rope. And, and it, 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 it does, it's just altogether another Avenue for those guys. Whose horses did you ride when you were bulldogging? Were they yours, or were you were you mounting out? Did you, did you have no. a preferred hazer? How did how did that work for you? Well, you know, back in the day, we had C. R. Jones and Peanuts. He was the horse of the year in '77, and I uh, rode rode that horse. Stan Williamson had a really good horse. Uh, and naturally, the Duvals uh, you'd get on. They were really good about letting you on, even though you maybe weren't on their team. You could say, but if you needed to ride, you could get on them. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there was Gary Green. Gary Green had a really good horse I rode for about three years um, called Reverend. Um, and, and just different guys in different spots. You know, CR, he quit rodeo in there uh, in the early 80s. And and then that's when I kind of rode Gary Green's horse for a while. And so, you know, you have those good horses. Uh, they were really good about, you know, you can blow into a rodeo and, and get on those horses. Uh and I don't know that it's really like that today as much as it was back then, but about anybody could ride about anybody's horse if you needed to ride him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that still happens a lot today. Um, I, I think, I think yeah. it probably does. I, I, I'm out of that loop, so I don't really know how that loop works. Yeah. Let me ask you about growing up. Um, this is the other thing Jordan told me is that you, you did not necessarily come from a rodeo family. You grew up on a, farm slash ranch in nebraska and were you the first person in your family that really took an interest in getting involved in rodeo well i had an older brother my dad uh my my uh dad bought him a horse there again uh just a, a kind of a calf horse it, it, she she was a calf horse um but uh he he got killed in a tractor accident on the ranch at 15 and uh, then I was the next one to pick it up. And he was 10 years older than me. And so I, I don't know how I picked it up, but then, you know, the rope just became, you know, kind of like my pajamas every day. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, that 
it's kind of weird how that all happened, but uh, I was very, very in, into the rope. And then I had a cousin that lived up the road about three miles and he roped as much as I did. And then he was three years older than me. So we were very involved in getting better as, uh, you know, middle schoolers and teenagers. And we roped, well, I, I, I tell you what, we roped every night uh, is what we did. We, yeah. we got done milking cows about seven o'clock and then we'd rope till dark every night. Every night. You worked six events in college. Um, how did you settle on roping calves and bulldogging steers for a living? Well, you know, I, I just knew that's where my expertise was. I got a lot more accomplished in the timed events. Uh, so I rode Bronx and bulls. Uh, the barebacks didn't last very long. They hurt my arm, uh, my elbow. You know, I couldn't flank as good, so I quit that early. Um, but the, the saddle Bronx, I rode right up till I got my PRCA card in the amateurs, the bulls, I quit early. They were just, you know, there's no need to go into a rodeo with that much fear in your bones. <laughs> and so, so I quit the Bronx when I got my card, just because I knew, you know, I knew this was where I needed to land was in the timed events. Uh, even being a little smaller, uh, steer wrestler, uh, back in my day or back in those days, you could say, um, that's, if you wanted to win the all around, you couldn't team rope and rope calves. You had to bulldog, you had to steer wrestle and rope calves. Hmm. Uh, you know, back in my day, it wasn't even a standard event. Yeah. And then, and then it finally got standardized. Well, then they didn't even have to, you know, they could enter, they could even put up half the purse or I even seen them put a thousand dollars up and then they might put 5,000 up in the other events and a thousand up in the team rope. And then they'd split it 500 each side. Yeah. You know, and that's what it was until Clay and Jake come along and got things rolling and uh you know then we've had some rodeos out there jay uh dick and jd yates there's a they were the first example there at pueblo they uh they had as much money in the team roping on both sides yeah and that was one of the first rodeos back i think in the early 90s that put up money when they started making it a standard event and then you had to had to at least uh you know, put up as much in the purse and the team roping, but they put up that will be in the first one. And I know it had a lot to do with Dick and JD Yates. Let me ask you before I let you go. And I, I promised you, I wouldn't keep you on the side of the road forever tonight, Paul. And I really appreciate your time. I want to talk to you a little bit about your family, your wife, Robin. Um, she was a rodeo queen, right? Yeah. She was a uh, runner up to miss rodeo America and she's uh, miss rodeo uh, South Dakota. And uh, she was, she did awful good in her barrel race, and she about qualified for the uh, the finals. Uh, she was top 25 in the world in, in the barrel racing uh, the year after she won, uh, got done with her her uh, crown. And so she, she's been very well accomplished, and she's getting, I think she's getting better every day in every way with her horses and her horsemanship and her barrel racing. Huh. Uh, is she competing down in Arizona while you're off roping? Uh, when I was roping today, she was – Yes, she was at a barrel race, <laughs> and uh, it'll happen that way tomorrow. And also on Thursday, they have a barrel race. So, yeah, yeah, she she uh, she don't go with me to the team rope. She jumps in with her barrel racing friends and goes to a barrel race. Got it. Let me – your daughter, Jordan, um, I got to know Jordan during her time as Miss Rodeo America. Uh, she was the person who was Miss Rodeo America during the COVID year and ended up wearing that crown for two years. Um, you're about to inherit a son-in-law, Taylor Santos. Um, but I, 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 
I, I told you before we started this interview that I really wanted to compliment you on your kids. I've gotten to know Jordan, Jess, Paul, David, maybe not as much as Jess and Jordan, but what a what a great group of young people you and Robin have, have surrounded yourself with of the, of those three kids. Well, I'm very I'm very proud of the accomplishments. Uh, Jess has done really well in the steer roping. Uh, he's been right there to win the world, um, and and he's he's you know he's always in the like the top three or four, top five every year for the last four or five years, and and he takes care of his business real good. He keeps himself mounted on some good horses and and does real well. He's the coach there at Altus, Oklahoma, and and uh, if anybody ever wants to send a uh, send their kid to college at Altus. They do a lot of roping, and uh, but Jess is a very good, uh, very good hound dog on those kids. So I yeah. want to put that in plug in there for Jess. <laughs> he, he don't let those kids run wild, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, Paul David's done real good. Uh, his best accomplishments been a th- top thirty in the world the last uh, two, three, three years, and and probably even more in that. Uh, he, and he won the timed event twice. Uh, been runner up twice. Um, Jess has won the timed event, uh, been runner up once, uh, won the timed event. So I'm very, I'm very proud. I have a daughter that's married to a, uh, a bulldog and, uh, rancher up in, uh, Riva. Her name is Amy and she actually, uh, ended up third in the world in the NIRA in the, in the, in the go tie-in, uh, did really well through college. And then there again, we have Jordan as Miss Rodeo America. And, yeah. and I, I just, can't hardly tell you uh it's hard for me to count the amount of people that come up to me uh like down here in arizona that have uh touched and field feel over the years uh you know her being in their city or their rodeo and and you know just just how very proud they are of the uh, how she represented the cowboy world and uh, you know she's a goat tire a team roper a breakaway roper and a barrel racer herself so she under all my kids understand the industry the culture that we live in and i'm very proud of uh What's going on in the next generation in the Tierney family? You missed one champion of the timed event when you were talking about Jess and Paul David winning it, and that's Paul. Um, all three of you have won that big event at the Lazy E Arena. I think that's the first time you and I ever met, Paul, was I was doing radio at the timed event, and you and Jess and Paul David were all there competing together. How much fun was yeah. that for you? <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was toward my latter times. Uh, uh, you know, it, it got – Got to the point down there where I I felt like I was a little better off to buy them in the Calcutta than me entering it. <laughs> I remember a couple of times watching you try to jump a steer quick and uh, miss. And at the timed event, they give you two jumps, but by the time you catch up with your horse, you're 400 feet down at the other end of the arena. And Paul Tierney had passed his, dare I say it, passed your 60th birthday, and you were still running horses down down there at the far end of the arena. <laughs> competed there for a long time yeah yeah my uh my last time there is when i was going to be 60 huh so so that was my that was my last time there was that a you were late were you a late addition that year am i remembering that right or am i wrong that i was what a late addition somebody couldn't make it and you well yeah i don't know if it was that year but i know one year i i did uh i did i did cut out on him because i wanted paul david to get an invitation and they said there was no opening so i said well then i'm not gonna go huh. and so they invited paul and then trevor got hurt and couldn't come so then they called me and asked me if i'd come that's what said, i'm oh. remembering that's what yep. i'm remembering that year so that's how 
that's how I got in. I think that's probably how we got all three of us in there because I, you know, I wanted to get Paul David in there. It was time for him and cause he's, he has been raised up for a time such as this. And, and I told him that and, and they said, well, there's no openings. And I said, well, then I ain't coming. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, before I let you go, I want, I, I guess I want to ask you about the people you competed with and against. Um, in the all-around race, um, I mean, everybody from Tom Ferguson, were you at the tail end of Mayhan's career at all, or was, was Larry already kind of done in the all-around? Of course, he was in the riding no. events, not the timed events. But, I mean, you you roped with and against Tom Ferguson and at, at the timed event all the way through Trevor Brazil. That's quite a group of guys to have a com- chance to compete with. Well, the last time I won the timed event, uh, Trevor had to two loop his last steer and I, and I beat him. Oh no, no. He had two attempts. The steer didn't stay down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what it was. And that was the last time that I won it, which when I was 48. Hmm. Wow. And so, so yeah, you know, uh, Trevor and Jimmy and, and, you know, Leo, uh, all the guys that we competed against in the, in the day and the all around, they were the guys that were at the timed event. Uh, Roy, Roy, I know I won it one year, Roy won second. Uh, so yeah, they were all there at the timed event for a long time. Yeah. Um, last question, your memories of that day when you went into the hall of fame in 2008, what did that mean to you? What, what do you remember about that? Well, you know, anytime you get decorated, uh, uh, from your peers, uh, that's what makes it special. Um, it's the kind of the memories, you know, you have memories that come back up and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very special that, you know, that, uh, that they are, uh, admonishing you and your accomplishments and, and, you know, those are, uh, days gone by, uh, you know, I, I'd quit rodeo and clear back in 87. And so in 2008 and you get decorated like that, you know, it's, it's, it's a very special thing to know that, uh, that you now you get to be up on that level in the hall of fame and, and you're thought of like that. Cause you know, when you're uh, going to bed every night uh, as a youngster and I always read my tooth film uh, roping guide and I seen all those guys that were world's champions and you know, it always comes to a, a, a realization that those people are never any more special than you. Yeah. So if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And you know, that's just uh that's just one of them things. Now you're up there with the guys that you read about. That's a great message, especially for young guys, for the for the kid that's wanting to be a bronc rider and a bull rider is 14 or 15 years old is looking at Stetson Wright thinking, I want to be him someday. Um, that's a great message to leave that young man with. Well, you know, Steve, you just have to – they always say you have to figure out what they're doing, and then you have to figure out how to do it just a little bit better. And then you can beat him and be that guy. Yep, there you go. Paul Tierney, I appreciate your time. Uh, I kept you on the side of the road longer than I wanted to, but uh, I sure have enjoyed it. Thank you, and uh, um, I look forward to seeing you somewhere soon. Okay, Steve. Sorry I didn't get back to you earlier. No, you're great, Paul. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Have a good night. Paul Tierney, the uh, all-around champion in 1980, the tie-down roping champion in 1979, joining us on Legends of the Hall. Paul Tierney on the Legends of the Hall podcast brought to you by Wrangler. Paul won a tie-down roping world title in 1979. He was the all-around champion in 1980. Thank you for joining us for Legends of the Hall brought to you by Wrangler. Long live Cowboys. I'm Steve Kinney.